Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this weekend. God, we thank you for all the good things that you're doing in our community and God, we ask that you just align our hearts with your heart this weekend. We want to meet with you, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, you can have a seat. Welcome to church. How is everyone? You doing well? You're doing okay. We're doing okay. I brought this with me so that you could know how basic I am, uh, as the kids say. Uh, I walked in one week, and Callie got me this for Christmas. I look around, and like all the girls had them. So anyway... Keeps me hydrated. Um, wait, we're in a sermon series right now talking about vision. And last week we got to hear from our founding pastor, Pastor Rick, and, and he talked about the vision of our house. If you haven't had a chance to, to see that or you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go watch that because uh, that's going to be so important for the future of our church and the trajectory of where we're going. And so we talked about God's vision for this house, the church. But this week what I want to talk to you about is God's vision for your house, your home. Um, you know, where, where, are my, where are my instructions people at? Where, where are my people at? Like, you get a piece of furniture, you're going to read all the instructions, okay? Uh, where, where am I? It's a bookshelf. How hard can this be to put it together, people at? God's people. Amen. I'm the latter. Uh, now, confession, it has taken me an hour to put together a four-piece piece of furniture before, and so I don't know if my method is the best way, but uh, I don't know about y'all, but Ikea is the worst thing that ever happened to me. Um, raise your hand if you've been personally uh, assaulted by Ikea before. Anybody? Yes. Uh, you've been persecuted personally. Uh, Ikea is like Hotel California for cheap furniture uh, and meatballs. You can never leave. Uh, you're stuck there forever. It takes an eternity to get through it. Uh, <laughs> I, I heard one person say, you'll know how successful you are in life by how, much, uh, how, how many pieces there are you have to put together on your own furniture. So I have not made it, all right? Uh, there's a thousand pieces, and all reality, it's mostly Marius and Nathan who are putting my furniture together when it, when it comes in. Uh, that's their spiritual gift. Um, but when I do do it, a lot of times, I just go after it. I start trying to put stuff together, and then eventually, like, it doesn't look anything like it's supposed to, and I'm angry, and I want to break it. And so I go to the trash, and I get the instructions, and I try to figure out what went wrong. And all the men said, amen. amen. Listen, guys, in order for us to build our lives in the right way, we've got to have a clear picture of what it is that we're trying to build, right? We've got to know how we're supposed to build it. And this is true for every part of your life that really matters. You've got to have vision. Um, and those areas where you have no vision I've found they, they never turn out the way that I hoped they would. Amen? Proverbs 29, 18 says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. 
Thank you. Um, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. A little throwback for all you KJV fans out there. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You, you have to have vision for everything that matters in your life. Vision for your career. You must have vision. If you don't, you'll end up feeling stuck, angry, or resentful. When you don't have vision, when you hit lulls, you're confused as to why you're there because you don't know where you're going. For your spiritual life, you have to have vision. Otherwise, you won't grow. You'll end up in a rut, and you'll be dry in your soul, and you'll drift in your relationship with God. But also, for your home, more than ever, you have to have vision for where you're trying to go, for your marriage, for your kids, for yourself. Proverbs 24, verse 3 through 4, it says, By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it's established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. The word says that a home is built. Think about that. It's built. Anytime you're building something, you need vision, you need instruction. Listen, the type of family that you end up with is either built by design or it's going to be built by default, right? And the sad thing is, and we see this all the time, I, I meet with people who, who have built their home by default, and you hear the same thing over and over and over again. I don't know how I got here. That's default. Yo, listen, there has never been a healthy home that's full of the Holy Spirit, that's full of joy, where everyone loves each other, that has happened by accident, all right? That, that, that is an illusion, Michael, all right? It's always designed and built on purpose. Listen, every time you see a, a family and you're like, oh my gosh, like I wish that was my family, that family is built on purpose, Maybe you feel right now like that first family where it's like, I, I don't know how I got here. Like in your marriage, maybe even if you're single, like you're looking at your life and you're like, I, I don't know what wrong, but I don't like where I'm at. I've been there. Maybe you look at strong families, you look at strong lives and you're like, I want that so bad. Can, can I tell you something? You can have that. Listen, lean close. You can have that family. That can be you. Trust me, you can do it, but you cannot do it if you're not intentional. Listen, either you're gonna have vision for your family in your home or somebody else is going to. The educational system has vision. The entertainment industry, it has vision. Social media companies, they have vision. Your kids' stupid boyfriends and girlfriends. I'm already angry. My kids are, are toddlers, and I'm angry at their future boyfriends and girlfriends. Those idiots have vision, all right? We've got to form them and create a worldview in them because someone else will give our family vision if we don't. Every house, if it's going to be healthy, needs God's vision, and every family needs it. Listen, our church has vision. Pastor Rick shared this last weekend, that we'd follow Jesus, that we'd grow together, that we'd serve one another we want this for our church family, that we follow Jesus, grow together, serve one another, and live on mission. But listen, we also want this for your home and for your family. So I want you to lock in on this, okay? Uh, there's a quote from Adrian Rogers. He said this. I just want to speak this in your life. If you're in a place where you're like, I'm in such a mess, like I hear what you're saying, but I don't believe you. All right, I, just, I, I want to say this. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, the same Jesus who turned water into wine can transform your home, your life, your family, 
and your future. He's still in the miracle working business and his business is the business of transformation. Listen, God can transform your life, your family, and your home from where it is today to where he designed it to be. Amen? So how? Let's, let's go into it. Number one, we're going to get into the text. We've got to accept God's assignment. Everybody say assignment. Take a little sip. All right. Verse five, it says love. Everyone say love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. These commands I give you today are to be on your heart. So what is the first assignment? Love God with everything. Y'all listen, this is the number one goal in the home. When it comes to vision in the home, there's so many areas and things to start thinking about and dreaming about. And you could be tempted to like get a notebook and start thinking through, you know, all the different things that you need to fix, all the things that you need to work on. What could be better in the family, better in the marriages, what goal we have. But y'all listen, the number one thing that God has called us to do is to love him. Y'all, there is not a better way to start crafting a vision for your home than to get clear on the assignment that God has already given you. The assignment God has given us, listen, every person in here, whether you're single, dating, married, engaged, God's number one vision for you in the home that you're building is that you would know him and love him with everything you have. And as you do that, y'all, I can promise you, listen, if somebody can take a crazy Duke from Georgia, we're wild, all right? If I walked you through our lineage, we're wild. And to start building me into a healthy home, I'm telling you, if you can do it in the Dukes, all right, he can do it in anybody, amen? Anybody have a mama in here who can cook? Whose mama can cook? All right, listen, your mama can't cook shrimp and grits as well as my mama can. I'm just telling you, <laughs> period. It's the best. I'm not the fastest cat in the world, but when my mom is cooking shrimp and grits, all right, I'm Usain Bolt on the way to the kitchen, all right? Now listen, if I wanna make shrimp and grits like my mom, which I've tried this, what do I, who, who do I need to go to for the recipe? Do I need to Google how to do it? No, I go to the source, I go to mom, right? She makes them, she came up with the recipe, she knows what she's doing. Yo, listen, if we want God's best when it comes to the family, we've gotta to go to God. When it comes to vision, we've gotta to go to him and learn his vision. Okay, so here's the question. Within your family, what would your family say about you that's number one in your heart? Like if you were to ask your kids, what's number one for dad? What's number one for mom? If you were to ask your friends, what's the number one thing? For me, on Saturdays in college football season, my family would say, I drop all other responsibilities and I worship college football. <laughs> Callie's favorite time of year is the off season. Okay, I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm no judging me, I can feel it. Listen, it's the truth. It's like there's no Paw Patrol on Saturdays in the fall. It's not happening, all right? You're not watching your shows, not today. It's dad's time, all right? That becomes number one. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Identify whatever that thing could be. Listen, I'm joking, but not really. Throughout the week, I can be tempted to wake up and the first thing I go look and see is what articles were written about college football that day, right? Think about where do you spend your time? When you wake up in the day, what are you thinking about? Often, that's the thing that's truly number one. Let me tell you this. You are going to be constantly <laughs> assessing what is on the throne of your life. 
listen, I've been walking with Jesus for 17 years, and in every season, I have to pay attention to what is sitting on the throne of my heart. Because if I'm not intentional, it will become other things. So we've got to accept God's assignment that we love him, that we put him first with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. So here's the question. How do we actually do this, right? Like how do we practically create a culture where we start to love God more, where we walk with God more closely, and where our kids know the story of God, the word tells us. Let's get practical. Number two. So number one, we've got to accept God's call. That is that we create a vision, that we create a household where he's number one. Number two, we adopt God's vision for our homes. Look at verse seven. How do we do this? It tells us exactly what to do. Impress them. This is God's laws. This is God's character on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road or you drive in your car, when you lie down and when you get up, as you put them to bed, as you wake up in the morning, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your house and your gates. Here's what I want you to see. When God talks about the family and God talks about creating this culture, there's a reoccurring idea. It is your responsibility to do this within your home. And if you do not do this intentionally, it is not going to happen. You cannot delegate this responsibility. And it's not going to happen on accident. Amen? You remember growing up, you had to do a science fair project? My mom, listen, my science fair, you could always tell I did my science fair projects, all right, because they were terrible. But you know the kids who come in, and it's like, oh, I didn't know third graders could weld, right? And yeah, it's Callie. Listen, somebody else, their mom and their daddy did their assignment. Y'all, here, here's the reality. You cannot outsource leading your home to other people. That is not God's design for the home. You know, if we want to adopt God's vision for the home, it's going to take intentionality. Listen, it's going to take time when you feel like you have no time. It's going to take energy when your batteries are absolutely drained. It's going to take intentionality when all you want to do is unplugged and all the parents said, listen, it hurts to create culture. It's painful. When you create culture in the church, it's, it hurts. Why? You have to insist. You have to hold the line on things. When you create culture in your businesses, it hurts. Why? Because you can't just let things go willy-nilly. You have to hold the line. Within your family, there is pain. <laughs> but listen, no one drifts where they want to go, right? If you're in a boat, you just let a boat drift, what's gonna happen? It's gonna, it's gonna wash up on the shore and the same thing will happen in our homes if we're not intentional. It's painful, but here's the good news. You ready? Life is pain <laughs> and it is unavoidable. <laughs> Amen? You can either know the pain of intentionality or you can know the pain of regret. There is no other way. You will experience pain. That is the reality of being a human. But our pain can have purpose. Yo, listen, you don't get the days back. If you talk to anybody in here who has older kids, they'll tell you, it goes faster than you ever dreamed it could. Here's what I found. Every cliche is true, all right? When your parents look at you and they're like, you'll never understand how much I love you until you have a kid, and then you're holding your kid, and you're like, they were right. <laughs> What's the other thing they tell you? The time goes fast, right? 
days are long, the years are short. There's a stat that you spend 90% of your time with your kids by the time they're six years old. From, the, from that point on, that time diminishes. You don't get the days back. So what are we going to do with them? Okay, encouragement. It actually is a bit easier than what we think to establish these habits in our home. We just have to adjust how we live. Listen, if all you do is change how you think, but you don't change how you live, you will never see change, right? Justin Whitmill early in a book called Habits of the Household, which is the recommended reading for this week. I forgot to say it. Um, he said this, he says, you can't think yourself out of a pattern you didn't think yourself into. Okay, you can't think yourself out of a pattern you didn't think yourself into, you practiced yourself into it, so you're gonna have to practice your way out of it. You know, we all have practices in our home and our lives, right? We have daily liturgies, habits, right, that are forming our hearts and they're forming our imaginations about life. Think about it, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Admit it, what do you do? <laughs> Coffee. You, most of us, grab our phones, right? This is a practice. This is a litur that's Listen, it's actually a liturgy. This is something that you are practicing that is forming your heart. It's forming your imagination. So when you wake up and the first thing you do is you start scrolling on the gram, all right, or whatever, TikTok, that means whatever randomly pops up in your feed sets the tone for your day, all right? That starts to form your imagination, it starts to form your hearts, it starts to form your emotions on the way that you're gonna engage with your spouse, engage with your kids, engage with your friends, engage with your work. Listen, my worst days start when I'm caught up death scrolling immediately. And then what do I do? As soon as I get a free moment, I go back to death scrolling, why? Because I've started this habit that what my heart really wants is to go consume things on online, right? So. What I found is this, is when I start my days like that, I'm actually caught up in what the Bible would call the world. Listen, you don't have to leave your house anymore to get into the world. It's in your hand, right? So here's my encouragement to you. We're getting practical. I told you we were gonna do it. Instead of starting the day in the world, start the day in the word. Take time. I'm telling you, let your alarm go off. I tried to do the regular alarm thing, but it was so annoying I couldn't program what sound I woke up to, so I just wasn't ready to sacrifice everything yet, right? Wake up, don't open an app, go get your coffee, your tea, your water for those superhumans who don't need caffeine. Get in the Word, take five minutes, take 10 minutes. I'm gonna give you all kinds of spiritual practices, things that you can do in that time here in a little bit, but you've gotta set that intention in your heart. If you wanna adopt God's vision for the home, you've gotta allow God to form your heart deeply. And if you don't intentionally form your heart, the world will do it for you. So how do we do this in our homes? I'm gonna give you five things. I'm gonna give you five things. We have to establish keystone. Everyone say keystone. We have to establish keystone habits. What are keystone habits? Keystone habits are habits like strong pillars that you can then build other smaller habits off of, right? But a lot of times what we wanna do when we wanna start a new habit is we try to totally transform our lives. Has anybody ever tried that? Just from zero, how'd that work? Did you change your life in a week? <laughs> or after a week, did you go back to the other stuff? Here's what I found. It's small, subtle changes 
that are consistent, that actually bring deep transformational change. And so I want to give you five things, um, five things. And you can throw up, throw up that spiritual practices slide. If you guys could scan that QR code, I'm consistently building daily practices, weekly practices. Yo, there's stuff in here on how to have conversations with your kid at the dinner table, okay? I found it really helpful. Uh, there's stuff in here, I'm gonna go through it. Things that you can speak over your kids as you go to sleep. Um, different things that you can pray every day when you wake up. And so I practice these things. Everything that's in here are things that I'm actually doing and things that I've found that are so helpful. And so, okay, five things, if you're taking notes, five things that you can do. This is for families, this is for families, all right? You got roommates, whatever. Five things. Number one, intentionally eat together. It seems small. I'm telling you, it's huge. Here's something wild I read last week. Most studies show that children from family, families that eat meals together, that's it. They eat meals together, have higher rates of academic success, lower rates of drug abuse. And did you know what most Rhodes Scholars have in common? You know what the number one thing is they have in common? they sat down and ate at the dinner table with their parents. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's not, they didn't, they didn't have private school. They didn't have personal tutors, all right? They weren't involved in the best sports teams, things like that. They had dinner intentionally with their families. Isn't that crazy? Y'all, there is so much that happens at the table. It can be grounding for a chaotic day. Listen, not just for you, but also for your family. Yo, it hurts. It does. Callie and I have been doing this this past month. It is so much easier to let Paw Patrol bring rest to my children, right? So we can just eat and eat in quiet, all right? But then what happens? Paw Patrol is forming my kids, teaching them how to find rest. Paw Patrol is giving them attention after a long day at school, and instead of processing with a godly parent, my kids are going numb watching pups in cars. There's a flow that we've put together. It's out of this book, Habits of the Household, all right? This is not, I didn't come up with this, don't worry. I cited all my sources in, in the document as well. Um, but we've started doing this, is we sit down, we, y'all have seen my family, right? I have two twins that are twins. I guess you don't have to say two twins. I don't have two sets of twins. I have two boys uh, that are about to be two. We've got a little girl named Georgia that's four. And I'm telling y'all, when the kids hit the house from school, it is absolute pandemonium. Like, I've got videos. I should have thrown one up there. They're just screaming. It, and like everything in me, I just want to like run headfirst in a wall and knock myself out, all right? It is that annoying. They're all screaming. It's terrible. If Roman doesn't get a snack, doesn't matter what time it is. The second he walks through the door, he is going to burn the place to the ground, okay? Oh, my gosh. It's unbelievable. All right, this kid's, this kid's capacity for fury and joy. Uh, he got it from the Bezets, okay? Um, <laughs> am I wrong? Listen, so here's what we've started doing. We get the kids at the table. All right, we get the running around. Like, I just want to make sure I don't paint this idyllic picture, all right? Running around like crazy. Callie and I are trying not to yell at each other. <laughs> and we, we get a candle and we put it at the table. Here's something interesting. Kids like fire, all right? So we get a candle, we put it, put it in the middle of the table, and we strike the candle and we're teaching them to say, Christ is light. We light the candle. Georgia blows out the candle. That's it. It's just a small little thing. 
But here's what's going to happen as they get older. Hopefully, every time they see a candle struck, something in the back of their head is going to say, Christ is light. So what we do as parents is we're teaching our kids the story of God deeply so that as they go through life, they bump into him everywhere they go. All right. So then we sit and we talk. Y'all, listen, it's barely good. All right. It's like maybe five minutes, but it's cute. So we, we do high lows. Okay. Just like I do with my staff. All right. And so we'll do like, what's your high from today? What's your load from today? And what's your God moment? All right. Again, that's in here. The whole pathway for, for doing that with your kids is, is in here. And so I guess this was maybe oh, three weeks ago. I was sitting outside with Georgia and we were looking at the stars before she went to bed. And she goes, daddy, what's your high low? She was starting to, she didn't get it, you know, but she's, start, she's asking me these questions. She's starting to engage with me. And what are we doing? We're teaching our kids to be aware of their emotions, aware of what they're feeling, but also become, begin to be aware of when they met with God in that day. Amen? And I'll tell you what, it's convicting because then you got to go through your stuff. It's like, did I meet with God today? Another one you could throw in was, did you have an opportunity to be kind to anyone? You know? So there's little things like that. So number one, intentionally eat together. Y'all, listen, all of that takes a grand total of 10 minutes. It took me longer to explain it than it takes to do it, okay? It's so simple. It's just small, small little keystone habits. Number two, have consistency at bedtime. Listen, this is for you personally, also for your kids. With our kids, it's brushing teeth, then sit down to read a book, and then I do this daily affirmation um, with, with Georgia. And what I do is every night, I've been doing this for about a month, is I hold her and I say, hey, can you see my eyes? She says, yes. And I says, I see your eyes. And I say, do you know daddy loves you? And she says, yes. Actually, a lot of times she says, says banana or orange or whatever. And uh, I said, you know daddy loves you? You know daddy loves you when you do good things? She says, yes. You know daddy loves you when you do bad things? She says, yes. And I said, who else loves you like that? She says, God does. And a lot of times she'll say, God, banana. And I just say simply, rest in that love, all right? Then I walk out, Callie reads the books, okay? They read through Bible stories, they do whatever, but that's our nighttime liturgy. It's what we do all the time. What are we teaching her? God loves her regardless as to how she performs, and so do we, right? And so putting together just these basic little practices, and then within your own life, I find it's best to end the day with reading. I don't always do it. I maybe get it right 40% of the time. It's usually not best to end the day watching shows, but quieting my mind, reading a book. Okay, so intentionally eat together. Number two, if you're taking notes, have consistency at bedtime. Number three, have a quiet time. Listen, this is for you personally. You cannot lead your kids or your family where you have not gone. And I, and I want to put it this way. You, you won't lead your kids and your family where you haven't been recently, okay? Um, the best thing that you can do for your family is to grow in your personal spiritual life. This is why we started men's prayer, all right? I didn't start men's prayer because I'm a sadist who loves to wake up at 4.30 in the morning and meet with you guys up here, okay? Although I do love it. We started it because we knew it's like, hey, if we're gonna start putting practices in place and if people are gonna start learning how to pray, they have to have a place to practice, right? So Wednesday mornings with the men, 6 a.m. right here, it's practice, what are we practicing? How to process with God, how to go through how you're feeling. And the goal is that we add these things into our lives. Thursday morning, 6 a.m., the ladies are doing it too. So I want to encourage you, if you're having a hard time in your quiet time, come practice with some people. 6 a.m. Wednesdays, 6 a.m. Thursdays. Number four, 
Simple, you're doing it right now. All right, you ready? You're knocking out of the park. Attend church together. Why do we go to church? Because it's a habit that forms our heart, that reminds us of what is true. Yo, when I worship, I'm sitting there and I'm getting this truth about who God is, and it's reminding me that the chaos I'm going to, the frustrations that I have are not the truest thing. But the truest thing is that God reigns above it all and he's to be exalted, right? So that's why we come in here and do this. This is why we do it with our families. Number five, readily admit your faults. Who in here is just so good at admitting when you're wrong? It's difficult. Y'all listen, we, we can't pretend that we're perfect. If our kids, if our families, if our spouses, if our friends don't see us modeling repentance, they're going to be afraid to repent as well. You know, when I mess up with my kids, I'm not going to pretend that I didn't. If I get upset or whatever, daddy's got to say sorry too, right? It's not just the kids. Um, and so just to go back through those five things, five keystone habits. Number one, intentionally eat together. Number two, have consistency at bedtime. Number three, daily have a quiet time. Number four, weekly attend church together. Number five, readily admit your faults. I'm telling you, if you will start putting one, pick one, one of these practices in place. Do it for a month. I'm telling you, test me on this. Take a month. Don't change anything except for one thing. Do it for a month. So for Callie and I, we realized we hated dinner time, and we realized we were eating all of our money because we hated it so much. We were going through Chick-fil-A instead of cooking, and it just made the kids happier, right? Well, guess what? That's $41 <laughs> every time you take a family of five through Chick-fil-A. So we sat down and had a family meeting and said, we're going to go into bankruptcy if we, if we don't change something. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is bankrupting us. And so we sat down, and what did we do? We put together a weekly meal plan. Yo, that's all for a month. That's all we worked on. Weekly meal plan, but that became a keystone habit, right? Where all of a sudden we could start thinking more critically about some other things, and now we've started to build out some more habits. So I just want to encourage you, listen, look at me. Lean in. You can do this. You can do this. You can make a change, but you can't make all the change at once, Okay. So we've got to accept the call. It's number one, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Number two, you've got to adopt God's vision within your household. How do you do that? You start putting these things in place where your kids, your families, your friends, whatever it is, start to see God consistently. And then lastly, y'all, this is the best news, okay? We must be led by the advocate. Why did I say advocate instead of Holy Spirit? Because I'm working on some alliteration, all right? Accept adopt. Listen to the advocate. Who's the advocate? It's the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Deuteronomy 6.6 6 says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Now here's the advantage that we have as New Testament Jesus-following believers. Christ promised us that his Holy Spirit that dwelled in him would dwell in us and lead us into truth. Isn't that incredible? Here's my question. As you're going through life, are you leaning into this incredible gift that God's given you in the Holy Spirit? Y'all listen, I told this story a couple weeks ago. I was, kids are in the bathtub, so embarrassing. Kids are in the bathtub. I wanted to get a couple of rounds of chess in. And so on my iPad, Callie rolled her eyes so hard. Um, and so I left the kids in the tub. I sat like against the wall where I could see them in the tub and I'm sitting there playing chess. All right, it's very important business, daddy's doing. And so Georgia starts throwing all her toys. 
out of the bathtub, which I can't stand it. Drives me crazy. Water gets everywhere. All right. And like some of those things like hold water. So she's just like throwing cups of water on the floor. It's like, stop it, stop it, stop it. And you know, I'm getting furious. Okay. And so finally I'm like, okay, that's it. We're going upstairs. You know, it's like punishment time. No shows tonight, whatever. And I just took a second. I paused and it's like, okay, God, what am I missing here? And I can't make this stuff up. I felt like the Holy Spirit hit me with, ask her why she's throwing the toys out of the tub. So I said, Georgia, why, why were you throwing toys out of the tub? She goes, I wanted daddy to talk to me. Oh, so I'm about to punish her, right? I'm about to rain down fire from heaven for her disobeying me. But what was behind the action? She wanted my heart. She wanted my attention, right? Y'all, this is the gift. I'm telling you, test me on this. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you're going through things with your spouse and you cannot figure it out, get away and look at this. Don't ask God what's wrong with them. Say, God, what am I doing wrong? I'm telling you guys, this is the greatest advice Callie and I ever got in marriage. Own your 1%. Everybody say, own your 1%. Say it with me. Own your 1%. Here's what we learned. In every fight, you're not going to believe this, you're at least 1% wrong. It takes two people to fight, okay? And so when we hit this tension, it's like, Holy Spirit, show me 1%. You know what it is sometimes? It's literally like I knew Callie was having a bad day, and instead of waiting to talk to her about something, I brought it up when I could tell she was frustrated, and guess what? She got frustrated, right? So what can I own? Hey, I'm sorry I brought that to you then. I knew that you were in a bad mood. Will you forgive me for that? Let's take some time. And you know what she does nine times out of 10? What? I'm sorry I got so mad. I don't know why I was so mad. You're right, this is stupid, whatever. I'm telling y'all, if you'll start doing that, allow the Holy Spirit. Listen, it is not your job to be the Holy Spirit for your spouse or for your kids. You cannot listen to, to God for everyone else. But what you can do is listen to God for yourself. And I'm telling you, if you'll lean on this gift, and in a moment, I'm gonna pray for you. If you've not received the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy, receiving the Holy Spirit, it's not like this, this thing that happens and all of a sudden it's like everything's out of control and, you know, at least in my experience, we're laying modesty blankets over you, you're out. Listen, that happens. That's a gift from God. It really is. But, but here's what I found. When, when I've received the Holy Spirit, it actually makes everything in my life make more sense, not less. It's like it actually brings me more calm and more peace. And so... Um, I'm gonna give you this quote from John Stott, an illustration, I'm gonna close, and we're gonna pray. Um, John Stott said this in Basic Christianity. He said the advantage about the Holy Spirit was mainly this, that Christ had only been with them at their side, but the promise is that he will be in you. William Temple used to illustrate it this way. He said, it's no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear or telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it, I can't. Listen. Some of you guys, you're looking at your life, you're looking at your anger, you're looking at the stuff you're going through, and you're like, other people could do it. Like, Jesus could live like that, but I can't. He, he'd go on to say, it's no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus is telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it, I can't. But look at this. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, I could write plays like that. And if the spirit of Jesus could come live in me, then I could live a life like that. 
This is the secret of Christian sanctity. It's not that we should strive to live like Jesus, but that he by his spirit could come and live in us. We have him as our example. That's not enough though. We need him as our savior. It is thus through his atoning death that the penalty of our sins may be forgiven. It is through his indwelling spirit that the power of our sins will be broken. You'll listen. It can feel so overwhelming to figure out vision, figure out how to adopt these things. And and what I want to close with, I just want to close in a time of prayer. I want to pray for your marriage. Listen, some of you guys, if you're honest, you're like, don't like them right now. Might even... I'd even hate them a little bit. Some of you guys, I know this, whether you verbalize it or not, you could be on the path towards divorce. You might be feeling like that, that's where you're headed. Some of you guys, like you're a parent and you hate your kids. It's okay. I felt like that before. <laughs> but here's what I want to tell you. If you start to develop vision for your marriage, vision for your kids, vision for your relationship and you align that with God's vision, which God, I'm gonna love you first and then what's gonna happen? You're gonna start to love others and obey the great commandment Jesus gave us. Love the Lord your God and love others as yourself. This is how he's instructed for us to live, amen? Here's the best news. He didn't just tell us to do it. He wants to empower us to do it through the Holy Spirit, amen? Let's take some time and pray. God, I thank you for everybody that's here under the sound of my voice. We just pray simply, come Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you all real quick. Um, If as I talk through that, that gift of the Holy Spirit, you might say like, hey, I believe in Jesus, but that power, that life change internally, I've never experienced that. Listen, I just want to pray for you and actually lead you in a prayer to just invite the Holy Spirit to come dwell in you and to help lead you. So if that's you, you can just say it right under your voice. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill my life. Fill my heart. I want the power that Jesus promised. The power to overcome sin and the power to walk closely with God. Come Holy Spirit, fill my life. I just wanna pray for marriages real quick. If you could, just hold your spouse's hand. Whether things are going great, things are going terrible, whether you wanna hold their hand or not, I just wanna encourage you to reach out, grab their hand. I wanna pray over your marriages. God, I pray for each marriage in this room. God, I pray that it would be a sign and wonder to the goodness of God. God, I pray that people would see these marriages and they would say, whatever it is in their life, I want that. And so Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would lead us, that you'd lead us into peace and truth. And God, help us own our stuff. God, let forgiveness and repentance be the bedrock of our marriages in the same way it's the bedrock of our faith. Just pray again, Jesus. Make these marriages a sign and wonder. If you've got kids, you can just kind of hold your, hold your, maybe raise your hand or hold it out in front of you. Let's, let's pray for our kids. God, I thank you for each parent in this room. God, I pray for the moments when they get home and they just have absolutely nothing left. God, I pray that 
you give us the strength to count on all joy like Jesus did, to lay down our lives for our kids. God, we pray for the strength to be intentional. God, I pray for bedtimes as they're putting their kids down and everything they wanna do is to throw a book at them and (laughs) shut the door behind them. God, help us be intentional with our kids. And God, right now, we just repent of the time where we've seen them just as a burden instead of arrows that we're sharpening to release into the world. And so God, I pray for the children in our church. God, I pray they'd be sharpened like arrows. God, your word says that our kids are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. God, give us vision for our kids and our families. God, lastly, we just pray for relationships. God, the people that we're walking with, the friends that we have. God, help us be intentional. God, build our lives to reflect your goodness, to reflect your glory, to be filled with your love. And God, help us love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our strength. We want to follow you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. All God's people said. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, If you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.